Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee, by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Made to Order Podcast. Made to Order Podcast creates one-of-a-kind audio stories for the big events in your life. They work with you to learn your story and then produce it into a personalized podcast with a professional narrator and music. Made to Order Podcast has different podcast styles such as birthdays, weddings, and anniversaries or whatever idea you may have. Play your made-to-order podcast at your wedding reception or birthday party, or just listen to it with your friends and family for years to come. You can send it anywhere in the world digitally, making it an ideal COVID-friendly gift. For listeners of this podcast, enter the promo code MURDER at checkout for $20 off your made-to-order podcast. Learn more at madetoorderpodcast.com. There were two more murders 15 miles away. We have a weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird One tip can blow a whole case wide open. Tell the wrong person about your crime, and they can be your undoing. On August 24th, 1940, a boy was born who was a criminal from the jump. A criminal who, as an adult, 
brought one too many people into his inner circle and left himself prone to a snitch. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Richard Biegenwald, born August 24, 1940, was trouble from the very beginning. I'm sure being raised by his abusive, alcoholic father didn't help things out. He was sent to a psychiatric center when he was just five years old after setting the family's Staten Island home on fire. And by eight, he was drinking like his father and gambling. When he was nine, he underwent electroshock therapy in hopes to calm his demeanor and was sent off to the state training school for boys. But even there, Richard couldn't keep his nose clean. In the years he was there, he was accused of theft and inciting an escape. When he was 11, he set himself on fire in his mother's home. And when finally given the chance to attend a regular school, he dropped out after just a few weeks. The 16-year-old troublemaker then set off to Nashville, Tennessee, and stayed for just two years before being arrested in Kentucky by federal agents after transporting a stolen car over state line. He headed back to Staten Island by 1958 and, before long, had stolen another car to head to New Jersey. While in Bayonne, he attempted to hold up a grocery store with an accomplice. The simple robbery ended in the murder of proprietor Stephen Sladowski. The men, of course, fled the scene, and Richard was picked up in Maryland two days later after being involved in a police shooting. He was extradited back to New Jersey and convicted of Stephen Sladowski's murder. He was given a life sentence, but after just 17 years, he was released on good behavior. For three years following his release, Richard Biegenwald kept his nose clean. He worked odd jobs, didn't seem to get in any trouble, and became a pretty good example for life outside of prison. However, if a look at his past was any indication, it was only a matter of time before he was sent back on a crash course with danger. In 1977, Richard became the prime suspect in a rape case, and a check with his parole officer found that he had not been in contact for some time. Wanted on both parole violation and suspected rape, Richard was arrested in Brooklyn in 1980. But the rape charge failed to stick when the victim could not pick him out of a lineup, and once again, he was free to go. He married his much younger girlfriend, and the pair moved to Ashbury Park, New Jersey, where he met and befriended a man named Darren Fitzgerald. On January 4, 1983, the body of 18-year-old Anna Olisiewicz was found behind a restaurant just north of Ashbury Park. She showed no signs of rape, but had been shot four times in the head. Now, this murder seemed out of the blue to some, but for one local woman, it raised a whole lot of red flags. So she called the police and told them that she had a viable suspect for them a man named Richard Beejenwald. You see, she was friends with Richard's wife and accompanied him on several trips to the boardwalk where he trolled for victims, even showing her the body of a young woman hidden in his garage. When they looked at his criminal record, it didn't seem hard to believe that this man had escalated into bigger and badder things. On January 22, 1983, police lured Richard Beejenwald outside of his home And the minute he stepped off of his porch, he was grabbed by police. Darren Fitzgerald, who also lived in the home, heard the commotion and attempted to hide in their secret weapons room. He only came out when police threatened to shoot through the walls. He, as well as Richard's 23-year-old wife, Diane, were arrested. And inside of Diane's jewelry box was a ring that belonged to Anna Olesiewicz. 
As police searched the home, they found weapons, drugs, pipe bombs, were hypnol, chloral hydrate, venom-collecting apparatus, and the floor plans to several notable residences and businesses. It seemed that, with that one tip, they stumbled upon a treasure trove of criminal activity. Now being questioned, Darren began telling the police about a third body, separate from the one he showed Diane's friend, that Richard had once hidden in his garage. This woman, Anna, was driven to the back of a local Burger King and dumped in a wooded area. He also said that while digging in the basement at Richard's mother's home in Staten Island to bury a different body, they accidentally exhumed another victim, that of Maria Cielella, who was shot and dismembered on November 1st, 1981, and Deborah Osborne stabbed to death on April 8th, 1982, who had been buried on top of Maria. And as they investigated, more bodies connected to Richard Beigenwald began showing up. His other known victims were William Ward, a drug dealer and prison escapee, who was shot inside of Richard's home in September of 1982, and Betsy Bacon, who disappeared on November 20th, 1982. And he is suspected in the murders of police informant John P. Patron, who was killed in 1978 and left at an abandoned airport in New Jersey, and Virginia Clayton, abducted and murdered in September of 1982, and found three days later about four miles from John's body. In the end, police had enough evidence to charge him with five counts of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to death in 1983, though he would later be resentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Richard Beigenwald died in prison on May 10, 2008, from a combination of respiratory failure and kidney failure. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder, Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 25th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, Easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.